fantastic. Hi, everybody. Welcome to church. Good to see you today. And uh, we're in for a great day today. And, and just uh, we're going to be continuing our series, The Journey to the Cross, uh, which is our run-up to Easter, uh, Easter series. And, and it's been a powerful series, I, I reckon. I've been challenged personally. And, and this morning, we're going to continue on with part two of, our, of that series. And uh, isn't it amazing how, how time goes fast, right? Time goes fast. And it's hard to believe a little bit that it's coming up to Easter and we are started a new month. But, but I know that, uh, that as we continue on, praying for tomorrow for restrictions and all those things uh, to go for next week, it'll be so cool to, to pack out the place next week and get on with things. Back to, back to some kind of normality, so I'll be praying for that. But I wanted to let you know too that uh, Easter coming up, uh, we have a service here at 9am on Good Friday. So we have a Good Friday service, about a 45-minute service. So, so bring your family, bring everybody there. We'll be taking communion at that service. And then on uh, Easter Sunday, uh, we have our normal services, 9 and 11. Uh, but we're going to be also have a water baptism service on Easter Sunday. So if you've never taken that step of being water baptized, we'd love to, to chat to you afterwards. Or what you can do in those orange connect cards in front of you, you can fill that out. Tick the I want to be water baptized box. And we are going to get a bunch of people who, who are needing to, wanting to uh, take that next step of following the Lord. So that's going to be a great, great day as well. So, so I know it's a long weekend and it's good to... Good to have a break and you get Friday and Monday off, but we're here at church. We're still getting into it and going on. It's an important uh, time or weekend in our, in our season, I believe, uh, for, for church, for Christ, for what he's doing in our world. So, so good. Come on, what are we praying? Father, Lord, I thank you for you, that you love us. Oh God, I thank you that you've got a great plan and a, a great purpose for each one, Lord God. Lord, today as we come before you, Lord, would you speak to us real clear? Lord, as we, as we dig into your word, oh God, as we, as we uh, think about, as we unpack the steps that you took to the cross, Father God, you did it all for us. So Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for whatever we're needing to hear from you, oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, would you speak gently, Father God, will you speak clearly, I pray, to each one here in this place right now, in Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. I mean, fantastic, wasn't it? It's, our, our worship team, our, our creative team is so amazing. And, and, uh, and our, our tech guys down the back, absolutely incredible. And, and we had two of our ladies this morning, Tanika uh, and Fiona, down the back there leading songs for the first time in the service. Weren't they amazing? I was uh, like, big round of applause for you guys. That was so good. Fantastic. Well done, you guys. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Well, part two of our series uh, called The Journey to the Cross, and now last week, just as a bit of a recap, last week we, we touched on, on the scripture where Jesus uh, mentioned this. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, and he prayed this prayer, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken from me, not my will, but yours be done. Now, if you missed last week's message, you can jump onto our Facebook group, and there's, a, there's the whole video, the whole service online there. You can catch up with that, but... But to get us up to speed with where we are today, uh, if, you, if you missed last week, here's the story. We're going to pick up this story. Remember, there's the Last Supper and Jesus and all his disciples are there in this room together, which we now know is the, is the Last Supper. And, and Jesus starts to talk to them and he starts to open up and, and he says, well, now one of you are going to betray me, who is sitting at this table right now going to betray me. And, and of course, all the disciples go around, well, Lord, is it me? Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. And, and then Jesus uh, Judas, sorry, Judas does, does that. Judas is the one who's going to be betray Jesus, and he goes off. And, 
And Jesus then goes to that garden of Gethsemane where he prays uh, that incredible prayer. Uh, shortly after that, though, once Jesus, you know, he goes off to pray and, and those closest to him were, were there and they keep falling asleep, uh, you know, three times. And, and it's after that third time when uh, Judas arrives with a bunch of people to arrest Jesus. Jesus that night is, is taken to uh, Caiaphas's house. He's the high priest at the moment there uh, in the city, and, and they're taken to his house pretty much to put Jesus on trial, right? They're trying to uh, put him on trial. And, and those, at those times, yeah, now Peter, remember what Peter, Jesus said to Peter? Peter, come up and said to Jesus, if everyone denies you, everyone uh, betrays you or, or doesn't follow you, I, I will, no matter what, even to death. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, even this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Jesus is arrested and Peter's following Jesus at a distance, Scripture says, at a distance. And, and suddenly in the, as the dawn starts to break that next morning, Peter remembers what he's just done. He's just denied him the rooster crows. And Peter is distraught at what he's just done. He goes off him. And so we're going to pick up the narrative right at that point there where, where Jesus, is, has, he's been arrested, he's at Caiaphas's house, and he's basically getting interrogated, right? He's getting interrogated from the high priest there. Now this is, Caiaphas is a part of this religious, a religious assembly called the Sanhedrin. You might have heard that, and they're, they're putting Jesus on trial now for some of, the, some of the claims that he's made. And then following that, uh, we'll see that there's another trial happens between the governors of the land, like the governing authorities at the time. Some key figures there are Pilate and Herod, and they're in control of the city at the moment, or Pilate is. But the truth is this, is that without a trial, there can be no triumph. And we're going to see just what Jesus went through for us, for each one of us, that we can learn from and implement into our lives and our world Today. Let's pick up the story. Here we go from Matthew chapter 26. And I'd like to encourage you that, that you can read through. What a great time to follow the steps in your own reading during the week through this Matthew or account in Luke are fantastic. But Matthew chapter 26, it says this. It says, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Though many false witnesses come forward, finally two came forward. And then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I charge you. Under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You have said so, Jesus replied. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Now, now, can you picture the scene right now? What, it's kind of a scene or has all the attributes of a false trial right now. It's been, firstly, it's been rushed through in the middle of the night, which was kind of against their, their principles and their law at the time. There's, there's this trial going through the middle of the night when no one else is around. There's, there's false witnesses, there's false testimonies and false accusations all in an attempt 
to incriminate Jesus and to condemn him to death. The truth is that we all at some stage or there's times in all our lives where we can feel condemned. Jesus is getting these accusations aimed against him and, and, and the condemnation, they're trying to incriminate him. And the truth is that we all experience that sometime in, in our lives. You know, we sin, we, we get it wrong, we, we hurt others, we, we can be selfish, we can think we're all of that in a bag of chips at times. We can hide behind different things that are trying to, that we feel like are protecting us all the while while being, being feeling condemned by the things we've done, things we've said, people we've hurt. And we can hide. We can hide through our isolation because we feel condemned. Condemnation, there's, there's a feeling of, has a feeling of that I am guilty and therefore deserve punishment. When we're feeling condemned, we, we don't see any way out. We think that that's it, it's over. Condemnation will drive us to feel that, okay, we deserve this. We deserve this punishment. The interesting thing is that condemnation is, has a link with shame. And when we're feeling, when we're feeling condemned at times, uh, we, will, we will immediately or, or have that feeling of shame, which represents this. Shame, shame means I am wrong, and if I am exposed, I will be rejected. And this is why shame always results in hiding, where we hide. And we can see that in Genesis with, with Adam and Eve, but... But the truth is that condemnation, it inflicts both penalty and pain. And condemnation, it restricts us. It, it, it crushes us. It causes us to hide or to draw back. And, but the great news, the great news today that Jesus brought for us is Romans 8, chapter 1, verse 2. And if there's a scripture right now, I, I believe that we could, we could all memorize and implement, put it on your window, put it, write it on your mirror, put it in your, on your phone or whatever is this. Romans chapter 8, verse 21, because it's a promise, it's truth, and it will change things in our hearts and our lives. Because Romans 8 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And that is great news. That is great news because it, it says to us that Jesus carried our condemnation. He carried our pain. He carried the penalty of, of our sin and so that you and I wouldn't have to. That's great, great news. It's great news for us to know that we don't have to. But the reality is we do carry it. We hide. We don't want anyone else to know. But Jesus came to give you life, to take your condemnation, to set you free, to heal us. Luke chapter 23, let's, let's continue on with the story. Let's jump to Luke 23. It says, And then the whole assembly rose and led, off, and led him off to Pilate, that's Jesus. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, says, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Verse 4, Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, and he has come all the way here. 
And I'd just like to point out a, a couple of uh, some differences there between these trials that Jesus is facing right now. And, and Jesus went from being accused of blasphemy and being the son of God by the, by the religious people to, to now being thrown in front of Pilate and, and the ruling authorities, the governors there, to being someone who was subverting a nation or causing trouble in a nation, and he was opposed to paying taxes. He kind of, he went from being the son of God to like, almost like a terror, someone who was stirring up trouble and, and, and uh, overzealous zealot, some of the, uh, the translations say that he was someone that, he was a fanatic. It was two, two different sides, like two different trials where the religious people had, were trying to paint Jesus in now political terms to get the ruling authority to do something about him. They, they were painting a, a picture that, uh, that would bring uh, him to death, that would cause him to have that penalty of death against him. And see, but Pilate is convinced that Jesus is innocent. He says three times publicly, declaring that Jesus, I can find no reason for condemning Jesus to death. It's really a, a prophetic act of, of what is to come on the cross because the, the crowd there, if you know this story, the crowd there start to choose. They, they choose to let a man who should be condemned for murder and criminal activity go free. His name was Barabbas. And in doing so, they condemned Jesus, who was an innocent man, to death. Jesus was an innocent man, but he bore the image of a condemned man. Stanley Greens is a, is a theologian, and, and he said this about the four consequences of sin. He said this, the first consequence is alienation, where we feel alienated, separation, condemnation, and enslavement. See, this, this passage, we see how Jesus is now, after accusations, and he's being condemned to death. He's, the penalty for what he's done or hasn't done falsely accused is him being accused and condemned. In this passage, verse 20, it says this. It says, Pilate wanted, uh, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the penalty of death. Therefore, I will have him punished and then have him released. See, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're new to faith here or you're on a, on a journey of, uh, of faith, of, of getting to know Jesus, and, and, and you're wondering, uh, why didn't Jesus just call for help? Why, why didn't Jesus like, like summon heaven's armies to come and save him and to protect him? Why, why didn't he, his disciples, why didn't they stand up and come and try to rescue him or get him out of this trouble? And, and, and see, sometimes, why, why, didn't Jesus, why wasn't Jesus more like a Superman Jesus or some things like we would think? Why did he have to go through all of this? Well, the simple answer to that question is, is simply this, is that he was thinking of you and me when he was condemned and sent us to death. He had you on his mind. He had me on his mind. He had humanity on his mind. He accepted the cup that his father had for him, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Through these trials that Jesus faced and and when you really look at Scripture there, you can see that there was four, uh, almost like mini trials that Jesus faced with Caiaphas, with Pilate, and then Herod, and then back to Pilate. They were piling condemnation upon him. Truth is, Jesus bore my condemnation so I might be forgiven. 
Truth is too that Jesus bore your condemnation so that you could be forgiven as well. Here's the question. Here's a challenging question today that, that I answer, try to answer myself and I'm journeying through at the moment and I want to ask you that as well. And here's the question. Are you living in the forgiveness that Jesus died to give you? Are you living in that forgiveness? Or are you living your life feeling like you're condemned? Two quick thoughts this morning as we, as we look at the trials, always unpack. And I'd encourage you to please go home today and grab some notes off, the, off our app and, and unpack some more. Ask God will you, what he's speaking to me about. How can, how can we live life through this? What's the learnings? And some of the learnings that we can pick from this this morning is the first thing is this, is that, is that these trials that we see from Jesus is that we learn that those who are forgiven much love much. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Even Jesus on the cross, he exclaimed, some of his final breaths, he cried out with a loud voice, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Even at the end of his life, Jesus wanted to accept and forgive the same people who had caused him the most suffering. I, I, what a tough pill to swallow. Uh, when, when people hurt us, when people abuse us, when people went to forgive others, that's a tough pill to swallow. But Jesus, even in those moments of his suffering, Jesus was saying, like, forgiveness, forgiveness makes love prosper. Forgiveness is a champion for love. And I found this, this verse this morning, so it's not up on the screen, but I encourage you to jot it down. In Proverbs 17, verse 9, it says this, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. What an incredible scripture. Let me read it again. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Years ago, there was a, a really popular song, right? So for all, uh, uh, and I remember it, I, and you probably do because it was pretty popular. It was called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Don't worry, be happy. It was, and it was just kind of out there. And we, to be honest, we all probably got sick of it really fast because we're still probably sick of it today. But, but don't worry, be happy was one of those cool jingles, a cool music track, and it had these cool words that seemed to uh, make us feel happy and things. But when you really look at the words and what it's saying is, is don't worry about anything, just be happy. And, 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 and it's kind of got this context of no matter what's going on in life, whatever you're hiding for, whatever, you can sweep it under the carpet. Just don't worry about it. Just be happy. Don't worry. Sweep it under there. Whatever you're, you're, you're facing, whatever's not going right, whatever maybe you're doing wrong in our context, whatever sin that you're carrying that no one knows, just sweep it under the carpet. Don't worry. Just be happy. It's not helpful to not worry about that stuff and just try to be happy. Luke chapter 7, there's an amazing counter with, that Jesus has with a, with a woman at, at a, a Pharisee's house. and Jesus is there, they're all around the table and, and this lady comes in, this woman comes into the house who the passage or the story tells us that she's lived a, a sinful life 
She come over to, and to Jesus in a, in a broken state of affairs and, and distress at the life that she had lived. And, and then she does this incredible act of worship where she breaks her an expensive jar of perfume and starts to anoint Jesus' feet, pours the perfume over his feet. And, and then she dries his feet with her hair. And it's an incredible act of worship to Jesus. But across the table at the same time, there's a Pharisee or, well, let's call it a religious person. Let's call him, call him that. And he's watching from the other side of the table and, and he'd swept all his stuff under the, under the rug and, and that no one else could see and no one else knows because he was up front. Maybe he was uh, someone of stature and he didn't want anyone else to know. And he was self-righteous and, and he thought he could do it all himself. He chose to ignore the truth of his brokenness and his deep need for forgiveness. He, we might say that today he put on a mask so no one else could see who he really was. But the woman, on the other hand, there could just, the passage, when you look into the, packet, the scripture, it, it tells us there, there was no way she could sweep her stuff under the carpet because the whole town knew. Everyone seemed to know all about her and, and she comes to Jesus and, and falls at his feet in her brokenness and, and her confession and received the forgiveness that Jesus offers. What an incredible act of worship to him. Luke chapter 7 verse 47 finishes off by telling us, Therefore, this is Jesus, therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves Little. Here's the question for us today. What's under your rug right now? What's, what's the thing that's under the rug where you're trying not to worry about it, but it's there? Can I say as we journey through to this Easter, the season of celebrating what Jesus did for us, how about let's bring it out? How about you deal with it? How about you acknowledge it? so that you may accept and see the forgiveness, feel and know the forgiveness that Jesus offers you because forgiveness, it makes love prosper. Now, here's the thing about our stuff that I just want to throw in for free. You don't have to put your stuff on Facebook or on social media, right? In fact, that's a terrible thing to do. The stuff that, that we carry is something that we can bring to the cross of Jesus Christ. Do we have to make a song and dance about it? No. Do we need help in ministry? Yes, sometimes. But that honesty of our heart to like come in your home or maybe at your work or in that quiet place where it's just you and God and you saying, God, me saying, God, I'm tired of being condemned by this thing. I bring it to your feet right now. Lord, I give it to you. It's called confession. Confession is, is not meant to make ourselves feel bad. Confession is it's, it's where we, when we confess, we remind ourselves of, of how we've received the God, uh, the gift from God that it is to free us. We confess to remind ourselves not to make us feel bad. See, nothing has been earned by our good behavior. Love, forgiveness makes love prosper. Those who are forgiven much love much.
Second thought is this. The second thing is this, is our forgiveness of one another. And this is a big one, right? Forgiving one another. And uh, and I think this is huge right now, uh, especially at this moment with with families and and, and people and workplaces and careers. And see, did, did you know that it's okay for us to disagree and still have unity and love for one another? I think... I think we're in a season of where we can show incredible love and forgiveness for other people. Like when you want to run away or when you want to hide or, or when you want to say, I can carry this myself. Maybe you might singing that song from today, Don't Worry, Be Happy, Let's Sweep It Under the Carpet. Truth is that happiness only comes from knowing what Jesus has accomplished for us and the free gift that he offers. It says we are forgiven and as we forgive others. The two go hand in hand. In 1947, you might remember uh, or have heard of a lady called Corrie Ten Boone. Uh, incredible story, and I, I believe there's probably a book or two out there of, of her story, of her biography. And, and Corrie Ten Boone and her family were, were living in Germany around Second World War, war where Jews were sent to concentration camps and and after the war, Corrie Ten Boone, she traveled Europe uh, speaking about God's love and forgiveness. And there was this one time, this one time they were in, she was speaking in Germany in, in the city of Munich. And, and as she was speaking, she recognized a man who was a prison guard at the camp she was at. Can you picture that? Can you just imagine that? The camp she was at was Ravensbrück Camp. And, that's where she lost many members of her family, her parents and sister. And she recounts this story as, as the man approached her after the service, unaware of who she was. And, and she said this. This is some of her words that she wrote down as this man was there that she recognized. She said this. She said, I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven, could not forgive him. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there as he approached and he held out his hand to shake hers. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. Corey said, I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand out into the one stretched out to me. Corrie said, and as I did this, an incredible thing took place. A current, she says, started in my shoulder, raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's Corrie Ten Boom. See, when we choose not to forgive others, this can create pride in our spirit and our heart and can cause destruction toward 
our faith. See, unforgiveness may affect us more than the situation or the person when we decide not to forgive. I think this is huge right now. It's one thing for us to, to come before God and say, forgive me, God, forgive me of, of, of all my sin and everything I've done. But and when God, he kind of puts his finger on our hearts or he brings that person to mind or brings that thing, like, but God, I, there's no way I can forgive them. I can't imagine what it would have been like for Corrie Ten Boone to see that the, the person that potentially has sent his, his parents and his sisters to death. And, and there's this thing I've got, you need to forgive him. It's a big issue. It's a big thing right now. And, and, and the truth is that, that, that unforgiveness is like cancer in our body. And Jesus came to give you freedom. Jesus came because he bore the condemnation and the penalty and the pain of sin. He brought it upon himself for you and for me. So we wouldn't have to. No more do we have to sweep it under the carpet but we can simply bring it to God, bring it to Jesus at his feet. And his word is true. Matthew 6, verse 12, he says, and forgives us of our sins as we have forgave those who sin against us. There's a direct connection between receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. It's a big topic. Oftentimes how we forgive others can be directly related to how we know that we are forgiven as well. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to close this service. But before we do, can I ask right across this place that we bow our heads and close our eyes? And, and I just want to give a moment right here. Right now, this is a big topic, right? We're coming out of a season, and I don't know, know your journey or, or your life story, but... Sometimes life is not, not easy and life hasn't been great for some. And talking around forgiving others is really high on the list. It's hard. It's not easy. So I'm going to pray right now. I want to pray for, for you, for people, for that as you go on this journey, that this Easter is not just another, a great season of lots of chocolate. But it's a season where I just believe, like God is, is just saying, come on everyone, it's time. Let's, let, let's deal with this. Let's not sweep things under the carpet anymore. I've got freedom for you. I've made a way for you. You don't have to be condemned. You don't have to feel isolated or, or trapped anymore. I pay, paid the price. He conquered the penalty and the pain of sin and death for you and for I. So, Father, right now, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, will you speak to each heart and every life, Lord God? Lord, as you touch our, our innermost, Lord God, our, our hearts that are, that are broken, Father God, that have maybe been crushed or hurt or broken. That Jesus, this Easter, this season, Lord God, that your love would flourish in us. And we would know what it is to be truly forgiven, Lord, and to know what it is to forgive others, Father God. Lord, I know 
that for many people this is not going to be an easy journey as they navigate this, as they embark on that, Father. But I know that your promise is you will always be with them. You will never leave them and you will never forsake them. So, Father, I pray today for that healing process, that process of, of you being with them and guiding them and leading them in this journey of finding forgiveness, oh God, but giving forgiveness to Father, I thank you that for that truth that you took our condemnation, that we can be free. So Lord, I speak freedom over hearts and lives here in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.